0: All right, y'all, we're going to wrap up a series tonight that we've been doing the month of April called Walking with the Spirit, all right? How many of you guys have been here for all four parts of this series? This is the last, fourth, and final, yes? Oh, all right, way to go, y'all. So first, uh, the whole purpose of this series was to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what does he do, what, is, what does it mean for him to be a part of my life? And we've landed with the fact that if you want to be an effective Christian, you cannot not walk with the Holy Spirit. You must have him. And you must, he must be a part of your uh, day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. The first week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He counsels us and gives us wisdom, and he consumes us, literally just engulfs us in his presence. The week after that, my friend Nick preached on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And what that looks like to um, let the Holy Spirit just flow through our life in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good job, guys. Last week, my friend uh, Mike from South Asia preached on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Powerful time of what the Bible says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why did God give them to his church and what's the purpose of them, which is to glorify Jesus and encourage those around us. Uh, a couple of testimonies from last week, I heard that a few folks came forward because they had some sort of ailment or sickness, and we prayed in the name of Jesus, and those sicknesses left uh, immediately, which is amazing. Uh, and then I think uh, yesterday, maybe two days ago, I was talking with a, a buddy of mine, and, and he, he, we had this conversation, but he had a massive headache, and so we literally just took about five, ten seconds, and we just said, Jesus, will you please take away my friend's <laughs> headache? And he like stood up, shook his head, he's like, no way. He's like, "It's gone. Praise the Lord. So God heals, and, and it's a reminder of how real and alive He is and how much He absolutely loves us. Don't we serve a pretty awesome God? <laughs> he's, he's that good. So uh, we're going to wrap up this series, talking about our last um, topic here, which is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit." Here's what Second Corinthians 13:14 says will be on the screen behind me. It says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ." Anybody thankful for the grace of God? The love of God, anybody thankful for his love? And it says the fellowship, everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. Of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word fellowship? Just go ahead and tell me. Friends, Talking. talking, life group, awesome. When I think of fellowship, I think of, honestly, I think of life group and I think of the first few minutes of life group where you're just, you know, chilling before somebody stands up and says, Howdy, get in here in a circle quickly. <laughs> now, fellowship, the, the intent of that time is to be a fun, enjoyable, and not awkward time where you can just hang out and connect with people. But unfortunately, uh, at least from my experience, not every fellowship time is Uh, not awkward Uh, i've had some kind of awkward fellowship times when you walk into the house the lights are like dimmed but they're almost off you literally can't see anything or anybody music is way too loud you have to talk like hey how are you doing today good to see you but you're like yelling at the person right in front of you uh you the snacks are like not great you know those those awkward times I got a buddy that used to lead one of my life groups. He's a friend of mine, but I, he's what, what I call a close talker. Oh, no. And uh, just, you know, we are just talking. and then all of a sudden, he's like right here. And I'm like, bro, pack up. I can still hear you. You know, I just had a few interactions with those. And then one of my favorite memories of a, of a great fellowship time is when I had some call students over at my wife and I's house. And we were having some food, having a meal, and I had cooked and grilled some burgers for everybody. And uh, we're, you know, fellowshipping, and we're sitting in my living room, and I just look around the room for a minute. I was enjoying my burger, but I looked around, and for whatever reason, everybody just had like either two or three or four bites of their burger, and the rest was just sitting there. And I'm like, wow, I guess they ate before they came or something. (laughs) And then I realized as I look intently at the burger that it's like blood red on the inside. (laughs) A few of the burgers were still mooing. Anyways... uh, (laughs) I like had totally failed in my grilling of these burgers, and they're just sitting there. I'm like, oh, man, just go get some more chips. This is bad. This is awkward. (laughs) So that is what sometimes we think of (laughs) when we think of fellowship times is sometimes these awkward moments. But what if we could fellowship with someone that every time you did, it was absolutely encouraging? You always left filled up and empowered What if we could fellowship with someone like that? Would you always feel loved, known, encouraged? Would anybody want to fellowship with someone like that? Me too. (laughs) This is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We get to fellowship. We get to talk with, listen to, interact with, associate with, be with in a close setting with the Holy Spirit. This is us being constantly aware of Emmanuel, God with us. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit, if we take this seriously and learn what it means, literally, guys, it changes our entire world. I literally can see it now. Hundreds of college students going to class tomorrow, walking around knowing that they're not alone. Knowing that the very presence of the living God is with them. What do you think it would, what would, what would change? If you walked into class and you knew God Almighty, the Lord of heaven and earth, the King of kings, His presence and His Spirit was with you, fellowshipping with you, interacting with you, what would change? So we're going to talk about what that would look like and how fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit would dramatically change and transform our life. Before we talk about that, I'm going to give you a little theology talk here, okay? Who likes theology? Anybody? Me. You should all like theology, okay? (laughs) It means just what the Bible teaches, all right? Um, on the locality of god okay that just means where is god where is his location as we looked at second corinthians 13 14 this is one of many verses that paint the picture and show us a glimpse of what scholars call the trinity the father son and holy spirit but let's talk just for a 2nd we i'll make sure we're all on the same page here on the lo- the theology on the locality of god okay we're going to start with the father where is i'm going to quiz you guys where's the father his throne? Heard everywhere? Where's the the Father? Anybody? Heaven. All right, okay. Heard a couple things. So heaven, his throne. Let me show you what First Timothy 6 says. This is an action-packed little passage. 1 Timothy 6, 13 through 16. Says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Amen. He's given you life. Is that correct? Are you breathing right now? Yep. And of Christ Jesus, who is his testimony before who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Somebody say, amen. Amen. If you ever bored with God, just read this passage. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty big. One, one uh, phrase that stands out to me is he dwells in unapproachable light. God is, he, he's in heaven, he's on his throne, and he's so glorious, shining so brightly. It describes it as he's dwelling in unapproachable light. So bright, you just can't get close. No one has ever seen him nor can see him because if we did, what would happen? God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, question two on your quiz, where's Jesus? About 2,000 years ago, Jesus literally was walking the earth. Okay, you could look at him, you could have a conversation with him, you could shake his hand, you give him a bro hug, you could do what, you, he was here on the earth, correct? Yes. Okay, he died, then he resurrected, and then the Bible says he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Look at what Romans 8, and 34 says. It says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. It is. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So, not only does that clarify where Jesus is right now in the present, he's at the right hand of God. But what is he doing? Interceding for us. It means praying for us, pleading with his Father on our behalf for our good. Is that not encouraging? Jesus is literally praying for you right now. He's praying for peace over you. He's praying that you would know his love and his goodness and his power. He's praying for your finals. He's praying, Lord, help him. Help him, Lord. <laughs> He's interceding for you. But that is, hopefully brings encouragement and comfort to your soul that Jesus, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the one that saved our souls literally right now is interceding on your behalf. He knows your name and knows what you need. He's interceding for you. That is encouraging, y'all. But that clearly depicts where Jesus is right now. Last question, quiz time. Where's the Holy Spirit? John 14, 16 through 18. This is Jesus talking. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. To be what? With you Forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And Jesus sums it up and says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in context, he's saying, I will come to you by giving you my Holy Spirit. So where's the Holy Spirit? He's here. He's with us. He dwells among us and he's in us. Now, remember who we're talking about, the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And literally, this says, he is with us and in us. In us, with us. Is that not amazing? If you believe this, guys, that we can do fellowship and interact with the living God who's always with us, around us, all over us, it changes your life. It impacts you greatly. You will wake up tomorrow and go to class different than you did today if you think about this enough of the Holy Spirit, God with us. When we believe this truth and we begin to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. So here's what we're going to do the rest of our time. We're going to look at three specific things that's laid out for us in Scripture of what happens when we really believe this truth and we begin to fellowship with the Holy Spirit uh, not just once a week at life group or church or college night, not just once a day in my designated time with God, but every moment, every waking second, we can fellowship with the Spirit of God. If we do that, it changes us, and let's look at what changes. We're going to be looking through several stories in the book of Acts, so if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and start flipping to the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter three. If you, when you get to Acts three, just say, "I am there." Wow, that was fast, y'all! Must be reading the Book of Acts or something. <clears throat> Acts three is all I've communicated thus far. All right, Acts three. So a little context here for those of you that are a little unfamiliar with how the Bible works, totally fine. But Acts is um, the fifth book of the New Testament. It is right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, at this point in Acts, Jesus has already died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And he's also raised from the grave, uh, defeating sin, defeating death. He had uh, appeared to a few of his disciples for about uh, 40 days. And um, he gave the uh, disciples a promise that, hey, you're going to wait, and I want you to pray, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Acts 2 is what's called Pentecost, it's a holiday of the time in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God is poured out, and um, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, uh, begin what's called the church, right after this outpouring, and uh, the book of Acts is, it's literally a story just tracking the start of the early church, and let me say it this way, if you want to know what church is supposed to look like, read the book of Acts. This is what the church, empowered by the Spirit of God, is supposed to look like right here, recorded for us in the Scripture. So we're going to read a couple stories of what the church is supposed to look like. Some of the stories I read, you'll be, wow, that's amazing. Some of them you'll be like, oh, no, that's in the Bible too. <laughs> it's going to be a good night, y'all. <laughs> okay, there's three things that I'm going to talk about tonight that, uh, that change and that, that happens when we begin to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Those three things all start with the letter C. Last time I preached, I gave you three other Cs, but don't be confused. Uh, and also, the letter cs nothing special about it, though Christ starts with C. Anyways, there's something on it. I don't know. But the three things that happens is when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit and take this seriously, here's what happens. You walk in confidence. Somebody say confidence. Second, you live as a conqueror. Conqueror over sin, conqueror over discouragement, conqueror over whatever it is that could try to be weighing you down. And third, you experience his comfort. Everybody say comfort. Here we go. You walk in confidence. We're going to look at Acts chapter 3, pull out this story and see some guys that fellowship with the Spirit and walked in confidence. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder. In amazement at what had happened to him is that not an encouraging story or what but what I see here is Peter and John walking in confidence and in boldness because they knew who was with them they knew that Jesus the one that they had seen after resurre- being resurrected had power and authority to do anything including healing this guy I love how Peter says look at us just look me in the eyes that's a man that's confident that Jesus is about to show up. Now, the rest of the story gets even better. After this, there's a ruckus that happens in the city, and Peter and John end up getting arrested. This is the rest of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. But then Peter confidently addresses the authorities and says, No, I will not stop preaching Jesus. Literally, I can't help it. And they're like, Well, no, stop it. And he says, No. Uh, So, Peter and John go back to their friends, and they tell them all that happened, and then they had a little prayer meeting, that's where we're going to pick up the story, Acts 4. Here's the very ending of the prayer meeting they had after they got back from being arrested. This is the last part of their prayer, Acts 4, 29. It says, "'Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus.'" And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Isn't that amazing? God was giving them confidence because the Spirit of God was with them. He was giving them confidence, boldness. Now, uh, for me, I remember in college, I had lots of prayer meetings I was a part of in college, and I remember leaving those times so bold, so confident, and just wanting to just overflow with the love of God with everybody I was interacting with, no matter if they were a Christian or not. I remember those times. There was one particular time more recently, I, was, I think it was last summer, I was hanging out with a bunch of college students at Bahama Bucks, and uh, just eating snow cones late at night. It was the summer, just chilling. It was awesome. And... Uh, one of my friends, the person in the college ministry, started walking up to Bahama Bucks. And all of a sudden, about 20 yards away in the parking lot, there's this group of, of four high school-aged boys. And one of them yells something and just, I don't know, says, watch out. he takes his, his leftover snow cone and just chunks it to the front door. And it lands, like, right next to uh, <laughs> these girls in the college ministry. And I, like, it took me a second to figure out what happened. I'm, like, watching this. And so, like any good dad did, I got out of my chair and started storming to the truck. (laughs) On my way, I picked up the broken uh, cup, and uh, as soon as I start walking, these boys freak out. It was hilarious. (laughs) They jump in their truck and, like, start hiding as if I couldn't see them get in. And uh, I walk up to the truck, and I said, hey, guys, I think you dropped something. (laughs) And I'm just standing outside their truck, and uh, (laughs) the girls that got this thrown at. they're like oh no what is he gonna do <laughs> and so like literally after i say something like all four of them they're like bending over hiding they all just kind of like lean up and just like oh uh, yeah i'm sorry about that uh we shouldn't have done that so they all got out of the truck all four of them and i'm talking to them for a little bit so after i corrected them that hey don't do this stuff that's just stupid um, <laughs> i did what any christian would do then i began to share the gospel with them going to talk to them about Jesus and got to pray over all four of those guys and prophesy over one of them and tell them that God wants to use them to be a mighty man of God and a leader and lead people, not to do stupid stuff, but to do stuff that's glorifying to Jesus. It was awesome. Great moment. But in that moment, I knew the Spirit of God was with me, and it caused me to walk in confidence because, guys, here's what happens, and here's what's true for you. When you know the Spirit of God is in you and with you and all around you and he has all authority in heaven and earth, you don't have to be intimidated by anyone or anything ever again in life. Do you believe that? Yes. It will dramatically change the way you approach conversations. Yeah. When you're listening to something about, oh, oh well, God, he's, he's lame, he doesn't exist. And When you're talking to an atheist, who has the upper hand in the conversation? Yes. The one in whom they will all bow before one day. Amen. And the one who represents him here on earth, which is you and I. So for you guys, pray for boldness, pray for confidence, know that God has all authority and he's with you. You never, again, have to be intimidated by or feel inferior to anyone or anything ever again in your life. When you fellowship with the Spirit, you walk in confidence. Amen? All right, second, you live as a conqueror. In particular, a conqueror over sin. So I'm about to read a story. We're going to keep going in Acts 4 here. And here's what happens as the church continues to grow. They just prayed. The place was shaken. They were speaking the word of God uh, boldly. And then these believers kept meeting together. And it was just a vibrant community. It was amazing. Skip down a couple of verses in Acts 4, verse 34. It says this, "'Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, "'for all who were possessors of lands or houses "'sold them and brought the proceeds "'of the things that were sold. "'And they laid them at the apostles' feet,' and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Isn't that amazing? Just the church in action. Well, this story is going to take a a turn for the worst because there is a husband and a wife that ignored the fellowship of the Spirit, the constant awareness of God's presence. They ignored that, rejected the fear of God, and something pretty tragic happens because What the Bible says, we'll read in a second, they lied to the Holy Spirit by doing stuff that was shady and in secret because they didn't know that God was constantly with them. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7, Now it was about three hours later when his wife, Sapphira, came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Wow. This is the bible did i just make this up no guys i want you to be clear of something in this story because a lot of people misunderstand it did it say anything about how god killed these people no absolutely not but i believe that the, the the presence of god the spirit of god was so thick in the early church as they're gathering together that when you did something that bold and lied bold face like, that they were convicted so much that they literally just fell down dead. Maybe they had a heart attack. I don't know. I'd be pretty <laughs> freaked out if that happened. So this is an extreme story. You don't see something like this happening. Actually, later on, you see a guy falling asleep while Paul was preaching and, like, dies. And then he, Paul's like, well, what do I do? And he just goes and prays for him. Uh, and then he gets healed and raises from the dead. <laughs> That's in Acts uh, just keep reading in Acts. It's in there. <laughs> around Acts 20, I think. Anyways, that's more of an encouraging story. <laughs> um, but this is, this is a pretty serious matter because these folks, this married couple, thought that they could hide the truth from God and from his spirit. They ignored the fellowship of the spirit. And they decided uh, to sin with deception, dishonesty, and hiding things in secret when they thought no one else was around and no one else New and it cost them greatly. Uh, however, if they would have taken seriously this idea of the fellowship of the Spirit of God, he's always with me, always watching, always listening, knows everything in my heart, my mind, every little action, when I'm in my room alone or when I'm out in public and a college night, he's with me. If they would not have ignored that, I believe that they would have been able to conquer that temptation to lie and be dishonest. Now, for me, this revelation of the fellowship of the spirit and God's constant presence with me was absolutely huge in conquering one of the biggest struggles in my life before following Jesus was this uh, this struggle of sexual sin pornography masturbation I was stuck and I could not get out then I gave my life to Jesus started learning about God always being with me and after Uh, weeks and months of God working my heart, I was just convinced that God is with me always. His eyes of fire and love are always on me. And he sees me inside and out. And if if he's always with me, how can I stand in his holy presence and do such an act that is dishonoring to him? I just came to this conclusion, I can't do it anymore, Lord. If I believe you're always with me, I can't participate in stuff that is dishonoring and disobedient to you. And so Jesus came in with the help of this revelation, with the increase of the fear of God in my life, and he set me free. Set me free. It was 13 years ago, y'all. Set me free. And I need this revelation daily because, guys, no one of us is, like, immune from making a big mistake. We need to continue to grow in our understanding of the fear of God and his constant presence with us. And when we believe and walk in, in the fellowship of the Spirit of God, we will conquer sin and temptation in our life because we know that God is with us here's what Romans eight thirty seven says in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us amen? amen so for you what sin do you need to start living as a conqueror over it's time for sin not to conquer you anymore but for you to conquer sin this is the privilege of being a follower of Jesus that he did not just die to forgive you of your sins but also to set you free from the power of it. Amen? By understanding the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, walking in the fear of God, and encountering His power daily, you can constantly live as more than a conqueror over any struggle, over any temptation in your life. All right, last but not least, when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we experience His comfort. Anybody thankful for the comfort of the Spirit of God? Amen. Flip over a couple pages to Acts chapter 9. The church is growing, it's multiplying. In chapter nine, it's when a guy by the name of Saul has this encounter with Jesus, It's life transformed, starts preaching the gospel, the church is alive and well. And here's what it says in chapter nine, verse 31. It says, "And the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied." When we receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the result, the fruit is our life gets multiplied out. (laughs) Isn't that cool? You see that here? The church is alive. They're strengthened. They're encouraged. They're walking in the fear of God. It says they experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God was resting on them. They literally just could feel God wrapping them in his arms and comforting them through hard times, through great times, and the result was life and multiplication and more and more people being added to God's kingdom. For me, my wife and I have experienced some uh, hard things in our life, specifically uh, in regards to our children. Our first son was born about two and a half months early and weighed one pound, 15 ounces when he was born. Uh, But God did a miracle and healed that man of God, Josiah, and uh, he's healthy and alive today. Um, And uh, that, that summer was a summer of us experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We knew he was with us. It was hard, but he was with us. Uh, and our our next uh, oldest son, uh, Micah, he's three and a half now. Uh, when he was about three months old, he had to spend a week in the hospital because of a really bad illness and cough that he get that he that he got. And uh, that time was very difficult. We were supposed to be a vacation at the beach, but it turned into a vacation at the hospital for five days. And uh, it was difficult, and hard, but I remember significant moments of just the comfort of the Holy Spirit, where He just reminded us he's there he's with us and everything is going to be fine And he is is healthy as well i also remember as a college student around i don't know uh, end of april beginning of may finals time just feeling overwhelmed by all the different things that i had to do in a short amount of time so many assignments so many projects so many finals oh my goodness all this stuff and just feeling overwhelmed I remember this moment when I'm like, I got too much to do, and I don't, have, don't know how to do this, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I need a good grade here. Oh, my goodness, Lord, help me. And I took a little break, went to my sofa in my duplex, and just like paused for a minute and was talking to God, and he just showed up, encouraged me, and comforted me with his, with his presence, with his spirit, and reminded me that he was with me and that it was going to be okay. And guess what? I graduated from Texas A&M University all right yes I made it through so will you (laughs) so for you guys what does this mean don't believe the lie that God's far off and distant Uh, he's with you he's with you while you're studying he's with you while you're in class he's with you right now and he and by you knowing that it's gonna produce you're gonna experience his comfort don't try to study and do life apart from him either. God, hang on a second. I'm going to study. That's just a bad idea. I mean, he wants to be there with you, helping you understand. Literally, you can talk to him as you study. That would probably change your maybe attitude when you approach studying a little bit if we know that he's with us. Amen? Here's what 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 say says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our studying for finals, so that we may be able to comfort those who are also studying for finals. And with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that encouraging, y'all? I mean, directly the Word of God speaks to studying for finals. I mean, another word in the Greek is affliction, but... Um, <laughs> It's, I mean, it's the same thing. Um, God wants you to know that he is your comforter. And he's with you. And as you receive his comfort, you then get to share his comfort with those around you. I remember while we are in the hospital with our, our, our son, uh, we were there for six weeks. And there's, you know, it's a NICU. And there's all sorts of babies that are having a hard time. I remember one in particular couple um, that... You know, we're in the same shoes as they are, but because we were receiving the comfort of the Lord, the Lord gave us the opportunity to uh, encourage them and pray for them, share the gospel with this couple that was experiencing something, and they get to receive the comfort and encouragement of the Spirit of God as well. And so this is serious, it's, a, it's, a, it's something to, to not treat lightly, that we need to know that he's with us, experience his comfort because there's other people that need to know God's with them and comforting them and is his peace, amen? So here is how I'm going to wrap it up here. As a reminder, if we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, here's what happens. We will have a fresh confidence and a boldness in our walk with God. We will daily walk in victory over sin and be more than a conqueror. And we will experience his comfort and his peace every single day. I don't know about you guys, but it sounds like something I want. Just raise your hand if that sounds at least at all interesting to you. Amen. Guys, um, I think if you take this seriously, we'd have a very different last two weeks of school. And I believe that there's some people that you're going to see literally at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Or 9.50, whatever. 11.10. That need to know that God's with them. And they're going to learn that through you. I think that this would also, by us owning this revelation, it's going to be an amazing Launch pad into our summer, where we get a whole summer of diving deep in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, constantly aware that he's with us. You might be removed, so to speak, from your community here, but you are not removed from God. You are not removed from his presence and his spirit. Amen? And I think it will turn into a very fruitful, meaningful, uh, and impactful summer for us if we learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to pray for us. And after I pray, I'm going to invite up my friend Madeline who is gonna be sharing some specific uh, practicals with how do we take this whole topic of fellowship with the Spirit and how do we relay it to our summer? Okay, I know it's two weeks away, you got finals and stuff, but we wanted to give you guys some things that we think would be really helpful for you for this summer. So let me pray for us and then I'm gonna invite Madeline up. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are with us always, God. And I pray that this revelation would land so deeply, so strongly on our hearts. And that, Lord, we be changed by it. Would we be a people that walk in your confidence and your boldness? Would we walk as more than conquerors, Lord? And would we experience your comfort and your peace, not just once a week or day, but, Lord, constantly? Thank you, Spirit of God. We love you and we trust you and we thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Okay, I'm going to head a little bit more into practical mode, and so if you in your journal want to title this, How to Thrive in the Summer, or How to Walk with the Spirit in the Summer, I'm going to give you four simple, practical ways. These are tested and proven by yours truly, Madeline Elaine Jones, and by many other people in this room. So these are the real deal. You ready for them? Okay. I want you guys to be people who walk with the Holy Spirit and I want to be someone who walks with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to do the same things that you guys are, these four things, I'm also going to do them this summer because I believe they're what is going to help us as a college ministry and as a people walk with the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to just be people who know God in like the fall and the spring because that happens to be when we are hanging out with our friends and we're in College Station and it's easier that way. I want to be people who know God in every season, winter, summer, fall, spring, every season we know God and every season we're walking with the Holy Spirit. So the first way, number one, is spend time with God. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell talked about how God is our comforter and God is our confidence. And we need him. You need him to go home and to love your family. You need him. You need him every single morning. We were talking to um, some friends recently about the mission field. And we were asking them, what is the one thing that makes it? Like, oh, how do missionaries make it for the long run? And, and they said this. They said, they spend time with God every day. And we're like, okay. And so it's it's like just as simple as that, spending time with God every single day. In John 15, it says, abide in the Father because apart from him you can do nothing. So when I was thinking about nothing, I was thinking about just not taking, it doesn't take a lot of energy to sit on your couch, open your computer and watch a show on Netflix. That to me feels like nothing. It it's, like, not a lot of brain energy, not a lot of faith, not a lot of courage. There's not a lot of, like, okay, God, just help me watch the show. Please help me press play. Ready? Go! There's, like, not a lot of that, right? But it takes, so, but apart from God, you can do nothing. It takes a lot of faith to love your family. It takes a lot of faith to want to, like, wake up early and spend time with God. It takes a lot of faith to discipline your body when it's way easier to sleep in every single day. It takes, like, a lot of faith and a lot of power and a lot more of Jesus. And so you need him. You need him to do things this summer. Apart from him, you can do nothing. You need him to do more things than sit on your couch and watch Netflix. So abide in him every day. Number two, out with the old and in with the new. That's number two. You are a conqueror. Actually, it says biblically you are more than a conqueror. So not only can you conquer, but you can more than conquer anything that you're having to deal with. So that means if there are habits that are keeping you from God, get them out. You have already conquered them because it says in the Bible that you are more than a conqueror. So spend this summer getting them out, removing them from your life. And then spend your time this summer really practically uh, trying new things. Play an instrument. Learn a language. Read a thousand books. I challenge you all to read a thousand books. That would be amazing. Learn how to eat healthier, work out, do things, do things fun and exciting. Hang out with your brothers, hang out with your sisters, do fun things. Out with the old, in with the new. That was point number two. Point number three, stay connected with community. The best, one of the best ways to thrive in the summer, other than the other two points, is to stay connected with community. And the reason for this is... The enemy wants to get you. He wants to get you bad, and he is—he is sneaky. He is conniving. He is evil. He has plans, and he wants to get you. And when you're standing kind of all by yourself in the summer, like lonely and isolated, believing lies, thinking about things, doing doing things you shouldn't be doing, he's gonna get you. But as soon as you start bringing your people in, you start confessing your sin, you start calling him, you start hanging out with them, you start including them in your life, you start letting them in to the things that are going on in your heart, you start bringing them closer. An army of people is a lot scarier than one little tiny person. And so he's not going to get you. He's not going to get you if you're including people in your life, if you're staying connected to community. So stay connected to community. Keep community, like, as one one of the ways the Holy Spirit talks to you guys is through your community. So keep them involved in your life. Fourth thing to do to thrive this summer, to walk with the Holy Spirit, is find a place, a place or people to serve. Because... You have the Holy Spirit in you and there are people and places in your city that need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. They need to see it in you guys so that they can praise your Father in heaven. And there are people in your spheres that need to see the Holy Spirit with you. And it just encourages you. Like when you're able to like give to someone or be kind or love someone when they're not loving you, you kind of just feel like, "Huh." Oh, This feels like right. And so you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. You're experiencing walking with the Holy Spirit as you are displaying the Holy Spirit in your spheres. And so be around people, serve people, take your brother to a baseball game, do the dishes, make the bed for your mom, do things to serve and honor people. If you guys do these things this summer, those four things, you will grow in God, you will walk with the Holy Spirit. And this will be like a summer of breakthrough, not a summer of just standing in the same place. And I believe that for you guys, and I want that for you guys. Band, you guys can come on up while I tell this last little story. Um, whenever, you can take this podium in a minute. <laughs> um, so whenever I was a freshman in college, I uh, spent like the first part, of my, so my first summer after college, I spent part of it overseas, and then I spent the other part working in a giant file room in my father's work office, which is way lamer than being in Haiti, like watching women give birth, which is literally what I was doing, which was amazing. And, and then I'm like just filing these papers. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, I, was, I was just walking and filing papers, and I was kind of frustrated. I felt like I didn't have any of my friends. I didn't really know where they were. I wasn't really talking to them. I felt really distant from God. Didn't know where he was. Wasn't really talking to him. Just felt in general kind of like, where are you, God? And so I remember just filing, 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 and finally just like out loud in this file cabinet. I'm putting a file and I just put it down. And I'm like, what the heck, God? This is terrible. My freshman year was a blast and I like experienced all this fun stuff in the college ministry and I have these amazing disciples. And I'm just like loved my college life and my life standing in this file cabinet is like stupid. <laughs> and I just remember saying, what the heck, God? And I said, where are you? Where were you? Where are you? This doesn't make any sense. And he just like really simply, he said, Madeline, I'm right here and I've always been here. And when you seek me, you will find me. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I've just been looking at myself and my own problems in these files and I forgot to look for you forgot to look for you and to spend time with you I forgot forgot to seek you because if I seek you I will find you and so that next morning I'm like okay I'm gonna wake up early and spend time with God and I'm gonna listen to a podcast in the file cabinet and I'm gonna read a book and I'm gonna work out and as I started putting those things into my life the summer and I started calling my friends and I started including community and I started serving my mom as those things started being implemented into my life you guys The second half of my summer was so much better than what had happened the first time because I started seeking God, and when I sought Him, I found Him. And so, as we go into this ministry time, I want you guys to, like, hear that and know that that can be you this summer. As you're you're spinning, if you're, like, heading into the summer, you're like, I'm either going to be somewhere overseas or somewhere stateside. I'm going to be home with my family who doesn't love God, or I'm going to be telling people about Jesus in the nations. It doesn't matter. Seek Him and find Him. And so people that I want to get prayed for tonight, Life Group Leaders, you guys can come up, pray for people, are going to fit in one of three categories. One, if you want your summer to be a summer of breakthrough, then come get prayed for. If you want to walk with the Holy Spirit, you don't know what that feels like, what Mitchell was talking about. If you want him to be your comforter and your conqueror, then come get prayed for. And then three, if you're stressed out about your finals, come get prayed for. Because we're not going to miss this college night with you guys being stressed out about your finals. So if you want one of those three things, powerful summer filled with breakthrough, learning how to walk with the Spirit, or just peace in your finals, come get prayed for as I start to pray. So Jesus, we thank you that you left, even though that felt painful and scary. For disciples, I can't even imagine how it felt for the disciples for you to leave, their best friend to leave. But then when you left, you promise the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we each have the Holy Spirit. Each person in this room is walking with the Spirit. And so I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you're faithful and that you're kind. I thank you, God, that you love us and that that is true of you. It is true of you no matter what season, no matter fall, winter, summer, or spring, you're the same God the so Spirit of the living God, would you come and bring breakthrough over these people summers? Would you bring breakthrough in their finals? Would you bring breakthrough in their hearts and their lives as they learn to walk with the Spirit? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray.